You're listening to episode number 24 of Strike the Match. In this episode, I talk about five suggestions for shepherding our people to the marketplace. One of the great privileges that we have as church leaders is preparing families and leading students to make wise decisions about what it means to serve God on mission locally and globally through marketable skills and marketable degrees. So with that in mind, let's... Welcome to Strike the Match with pastor and missiologist, Dr. J.D. Strike the Match is a podcast that addresses matters related to missions, innovation, and leadership. Now here's J.D. Thanks so much, guys, for listening in today to Strike the Match. As always, I do consider it an honor that uh, you are listening to this recording. If you are coming back, then I want to say welcome back to you. And if this is your first uh, time listening to this podcast, I want to give you a very warm uh, first-timer welcome. And again, to say uh, thank you so very much for taking out your time to listen to this recording. My um, desire is that uh, this would be of a blessing to you and would be of assistance to you in uh, your walk with the Lord. And if you find that this is of some value in some way to those that are in your circles of influence, please uh, consider sharing uh, this podcast uh, uh, episode with others and uh, also encourage them to be a subscriber if you think that it is of that value to you. Uh, just want to give you guys a few updates uh, what's going on right now and um, relevant to uh, this uh, this podcast series. And um, the first one here on my list, I'm just looking at my sloppy chicken scratch handwriting. Uh, I majored in Egyptian hieroglyphics, and sometimes I cannot even read my own uh, uh, writing here. Um, but uh, just to want to give you guys a quick update, uh, my book, To the Edge, uh, Reflections on Kingdom Leadership Mission Innovation, uh, which uh, was released a few weeks ago in paperback version, uh, was uh, just uh, published today in the Kindle format. And so To the Edge for Kindle is now available. And on that note, I have to give this um this footnote to those of you that are listening and uh, were in that group that pre-ordered the Kindle version, uh, you probably have by now received uh, an email from Kindle Direct Publishing saying that J.D. Payne uh, has chosen not to publish uh, his book to the edge via Kindle, uh, and therefore you will not be charged. Uh, The truth of that statement is that you will not be charged. Uh, the uh, thing in that statement that you should not believe is that J.D. Payne did not choose to publish To the Edge via Kindle. Uh, we actually published that book through Kindle uh, one day before the release of that book, and so it is out. It is available for Kindle. Uh, however, there was uh, a mess up in the process, and uh, through much correspondence uh, through uh, with, with CreateSpace and with Kindle, my uh, satisfaction was not reached, and therefore uh, we had to make some other adjustments. But uh, Kindle, while it is a great resource that I highly recommend, uh, they operate a very tight system. And if you deviate from that system, uh, therefore it causes hiccups in their system that they cannot adjust to because they are programmed like a robot on certain issues. Uh, And therefore, uh, because of that, Uh, What you have is this 
email going out saying that the book was not published. However, it was published. I won't get into all the complicated details because that's not the purpose of this podcast, but did want to let you guys know that it is out on Kindle. It is available for purchase on Kindle. If you pre-ordered it, uh, Kindle will not, did not bill you, and they will not be sending it to you. So you will have to actually go to Amazon and order it on Kindle. And I want to apologize to all of you guys uh, as a result of that. This is the third time that I've self-published uh, a book and used Kindle three times. And, and this uh, everything's gone smoothly before, but this was the first time that it did not go so well. So I apologize for that, but want you to be in the know on that. Hey, uh, another thing, guys, coming up September the 17th of this year, 2015, uh, if you're in the Little Rock area of Arkansas, uh, Lord willing, I will be uh, speaking at the Reverb Arkansas Church Planting Conference on September uh, the 17th, 2015. It'll be a one-day event. There will be some other speakers that are there and uh, would love to be able to have a chance to meet you if you are in the area on that day. Uh, come to Little Rock to the Reverb uh, Arkansas uh, Church Planning Conference. Uh, if you're in Birmingham in October, particularly October the 6th through the 8th, uh, Lord willing, on the 6th through the 8th, I will be uh, speaking that week uh, in several different venues uh, at uh, Beeson Divinity School and also at Samford University. Both of those entities are here in Birmingham. And so if you are in or around Birmingham uh, during October the 6th through the 8th, uh, yeah, come by. I would love to be able to uh, have a chance to, to touch base with my listeners uh, while, uh, while they're that week. Next week on Strike the Match... Lord willing, next week arrives. The guest will be Dave Datema. Some of you may not know Dave. Uh, Dave is one of the general directors for Frontier Ventures, and so I am excited to to have Dave on the uh, the program. And I think that you will be blessed to hear about him and about uh, the uh, the organization. Uh, now known as Frontier Ventures, but used to be known as the U.S. Center for World Mission. And so I think that uh, you will be be very encouraged to, to hear about Dave and their new vision of where they're going uh, under this new brand. Today, uh, in this episode, episode 24, wow, it's hard to believe, 24 episodes into Strike the Match, and, uh, and this one is it, number 24. Today on episode number 24, I want to talk uh, to you guys about uh, the notion of shepherding, what I call shepherding your people to the field. Uh, this is the beginning of school season in the United States. Uh, college students uh, returning to school, high school students returning to school here in this month of August. And so I thought it'd be very appropriate to talk to you about this particular topic. It's a topic that I am very uh, passionate about, uh, but one that um, you know I've got a lot of air, a lot of work to to grow in in this particular area of my pastoral ministry, and so I don't claim to have all the answers on this topic. But uh, it is it is a topic that I think we need to address and we need to deal with more and more, uh, and that is what I refer to as shepherding your people to the field. So let me let me kind of uh, set set this up by by kind of stating what I believe is a problem, uh, is an issue that's out there today. And, uh, and, it's, and it's this. It relates to our young people. It relates to our high school students. It relates to our college students. And uh, it is this idea that the, the notion of selecting a major, a college major, uh, or maybe deciding a particular vocation in life that uh, does not include college, um, uh, those choices are often, are often decided uh, by 
family tradition. Uh, they're often decided, um, for, for lack of a better term, the, the, the whims of youthful desires. Uh, I think this is a cool major, uh, you know, underwater basket weaving sounds so much fun. I love to scuba dive. Uh, often they're decided based upon the whims of youth or uh, sometimes decided uh, by secular guidance counselors. In other words, what our students are going to be spending, for the most part, uh, a bulk of the rest of their lives doing uh, is often decided and based upon matters that are unrelated to uh, the church and therefore to the church's connection, uh, if you will, uh, but, but, but even beyond that, to the mission of God. It's often something that is seen as, as separate from God's mission in the world and how our church members can plug in to that mission through their, their vocations. And, and so the issue of selecting a vocation or selecting a, a degree, it, it is one of the most important decisions that anyone will make in life. I mean, it, 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 uh, beyond uh, you know, you know, following, obviously following the decision uh, to repent and place faith in Jesus, I mean, it ranks up there, you know, in the most important decisions that, that an individual makes in life. So why is, uh, why is the church, or more specifically, why are pastors, and I'll put myself in that category as, as one of the pastors here at the church at Brook Hills, why, why are pastors often divorced from that uh, that process of helping our young people uh, make a decision about where they're going to go, what tra- trajectory they're going to follow uh, when it comes to moving into the marketplace. Why is the the uh, church often removed? Why is the issue of the mission of God often uh, divorced or separated from uh, that massive, massive decision? And so um, that's what I want us to talk about today. Uh, in this podcast, and um, I hope that beyond this podcast, you will use this uh, to generate conversation uh, in your circles of influence, among the people that you connect with, among your church members, among people on your leadership team, uh, to talk about this particular topic of shepherding uh, your people, shepherding your people to to the field. I remember receiving um, uh, a, a contact one time, it was an email one time, uh, through an individual who read uh, read a post that I wrote on this particular topic. I guess it was probably a year or two ago, and uh, he made this statement. He said, "You know, I began to talk to my 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 pastor about about this issue that you were writing about. And even shared your blog uh, uh, post with him, and his response was, uh, my my calling is to simply preach the word, and and that is it.' Well, as a pastor, I completely agree with that." Um, as a follower of Christ, we all should completely agree with 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 that. Uh, that is that is a part of the calling to be an elder, to be one who is is pastoring a church. But there is more to one's call uh, than than just preaching the word and and teaching the word. There is more to that. There is a shepherding aspect, and this is a particular issue that is of, of extreme importance. And so, the reality is that. We pastors should do all that we can to shepherd our members to the field. And so in this podcast, for the rest of our time together, I want to, I want to toss out to you, to you guys three suggestions uh, that I think will be helpful uh, to you uh, 
uh, in, in moving forward in this, this particular aspect of, of being able to extend and multiply your ministry in days to come. So here, so here are my five suggestions that are related to this notion of shepherding our people uh, to the field. And, the, and, and before I can even get into those, I have to assume something here. I don't have time in this podcast to to go into this issue, so here's the assumption. The assumption is that these five are really built upon a biblical missiology that already exists in your local church. And so I'm assuming that you have laid, as a pastor, you've established a, a healthy biblical missiology for your people to live by. If that foundation is not there, then then the impact of these five suggestions that I'm going to toss out to you guys, it's just not going to be as strong. It's just not going to have uh, the the effectiveness uh, that they would have if that foundation is is not in place. And so that biblical missiology needs to be a part of, of the, the culture of your church, uh, of the, the part of your, your, your faith family. So with that assumption in mind, let me go ahead and go with number one. So suggestion number one in in helping shepherd our people to the field. Number one, we need to teach our people a stewardship of vocation. We need to teach our people a stewardship of vocation. We need to show them in the Word. We need to teach them God's Word about what this notion of vocation is and, and that it's not something that that is divorced from the kingdom ethic. It's not something that is divorced from what it means to be a follower of Jesus. That this concept of secular and sacred, this dichotomy between those two, is not in the Bible. And so we have got to begin to help our people understand from the Word, let the Word be the guy, let it be the one who, who the, the, the guy that is leading us in this conversation. Uh, let us teach our people what it means to have a vocation, to have uh, a position in the marketplace, and, and why that's important as a kingdom citizen, and how that fits into the mission of God as we're making disciples locally and globally, seeing churches planted locally and globally among unreached people groups. And and so that's going to push back. That's going to really push back on a lot of things about our culture, about what it says uh, about the issue of vocation or a job. In other words, we quickly find that, that the issue uh, related to vocation is not that it's just simply a means to having a good job, that vocation is not simply a means to be able to provide for our personal comforts uh, or simply a means to provide for our family. Now, all of those things I think are important. All of those things I think are 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 right and and godly. In other words, having a good job, providing for for our family, and and providing for our comfort in this fallen world. Uh, there's nothing wrong with that. They're you know they're they're blessed. They can be blessings from the Lord. So it's not that those things are wrong. It's just that we have misplaced priorities when it comes to this issue of vocation. And we're going to have to teach our people from the Word what. What do we see in the Bible related to this notion of vocation and help our people to recognize that we shouldn't, when we hear about, when we think about jobs, when we think about marketable skills, when we think about marketable degrees, the first thing we should not jump to is how can I keep an electric bill on? How can I buy myself that car? How can I have enough money to, to be able to relax, on, relax upon and rest upon? Uh, in other words, we have got to help our people to understand how issue of employment, the issue of job, the issue of being in the marketplace relates to this calling of what it means to be a follower of Christ. 
those things aren't bad. Those things aren't wrong. They just should not have priority when we think about vocation. Second guideline, second suge- or suggestion, or maybe I should call it that. Second suggestion I'd toss out at you uh, is that we need to teach parents, we need to teach parents to raise their children with what I call a tent maker's DNA. We need to teach parents that are members of our churches how to raise children with a tent maker's DNA. So go back to Acts 18. What do you find? Well, you find this concept that we uh, have referred to uh, over church history as as tent making. When we look at the Apostle Paul and we see that while he was serving and working uh, in Corinth, that he actually drew from his his abilities as a tent maker to support himself. Now, we know that in the scriptures, he, he didn't just do that in Corinth. In fact, he supported himself and even his team in places such as Ephesus and also in Thessalonica. And so we know that Paul was doing missionary work, but he was also in the marketplace at times. And so we need to begin to help our parents understand, teach them, uh, that, that they need to be a part of helping teach their children about the notion of how can you grow up and how can you prayerfully seek the Lord's guidance when it comes to finding employment, when it comes to finding a job, and, and how can you simultaneously use that as an opportunity to make disciples wherever the Lord may call you, whether it's down the street in our city or whether the Lord calls you across the, the country or whether he takes you to another country in the world. How can you do what the Lord calls you to to advance his glory among the nations. So we need to teach parents to raise their children with with the tent maker's uh, DNA. Uh, Number three, third suggested thought on this matter, and that is we need to expose our people to global realities. We need to expose our people to global realities. There are are many ways to do this. I'll just share with you about four. Um, One is go on short-term trips. Uh, as they go on short-term trips, they're exposed to various issues across the world. They're exposed to different cultures. They're exposed to different contexts. So, so short-term mission opportunities, huge opportunity. Second thing uh, uh, would be books, um, and I'm going to be self-promoting here. That's okay because I, I want people to read what I'm writing on the topic. And so, for example, uh, when I wrote Pressure Points, uh, 12 Global Issues Shaping the Face of the Church, I wrote that book as uh, a means to educate, to teach people within local churches some of the global issues that are presently affecting church and mission today. So Pressure Points, 12 Global Issues Shaping the Face of the Church. Uh, David Seals, uh, whom I just recently uh, did a podcast with, uh, just uh, had a book come out called Changing World, Unchanging Mission. Uh, I would highly recommend that. Again, exposure to things going on on a global scale. And then another excellent book uh, with another person that I just recently uh, did a podcast with, and that's Patrick Johnstone and his book, The Future of the Global Church. Those are some some books that I think could be helpful to expose your, your people to uh, global realities. Uh, a third aspect of how to expose our people to global realities is the issue of, of just, just telling them to keep up with the news, uh, not only to be students of, of God's God's word, but also to be students of God's world. How can they uh, be exposed to the news each day on a global scale, not just in their local town or not even just across this country, uh, but uh, on a global global uh, level, so to speak? And then uh, a- another way that can help our people be exposed to global realities is is as we preach, as, as we communicate to them uh, through, uh, the, through the teaching ministry of the church, uh, to use uh, contemporary uh, global illustrations. Now, obviously, 
contemporary global illustrations that that connect with our people and that are uh, relevant to the point, relevant to the text that we're preaching, not just something that's out there. But those are some ways that I think we can expose our people to global realities. And then as we personally interact with them and are able to share with them things that we've been exposed to, that can be a way to, to kind of model this to our people. Fourth guideline, fourth suggestion, I'll say. Fourth suggestion in shepherding our people to the field is that we need to challenge our high school and our college students to, to find out, I think, at least three things. To challenge our high school students and our college students to find out at least three things. One, what are and what will be, I guess we could say, maybe from the present for the next, for the next several years, what are the most marketable degrees and the most marketable skills that are out there? Not just in the United States, but also on a global scale. What are the most marketable skills and degrees that are out there? Number two, uh, what are their passions and interests? How are they wired? How has the Lord wired them as his followers? What gifts, passions, interests, uh, talents do they have? How are they wired? So not only what's out there that's the most marketable uh, degrees and skill sets, but how are they wired? And then the third thing that I think they need to grasp, that they need to understand, is where does where does the marketplace overlap with their passions and interests as as, as students, as individuals. Uh, in, in other words, where does the issue of need out there in the world that would provide marketplace platforms, that would provide uh, a means of financial support, that would provide, obviously, inroads into communities across the world in a variety of contexts, uh, where do, do those that are in need, where do they overlap with the passions and interests of the students? Now, you need to shoot straight with them. Because not all majors and not all interests and passions of students are created equal or, I would say, of equal worth in the marketplace. And, and so sometimes they may get this interest, they may have this desire to, to pursue something uh, and to go into an incredible amount of debt financially and come out with a degree that is not marketable and is going to strap them with enormous debt for many years that they will probably uh, have a very hard time paying off with the financial return uh, on that degree that they've received. So shoot straight with them. Uh, Nicholas von Zinzendorf, Count Zinzendorf, who was the leaders, leader of the Moravian movement, uh, one of the greatest missionary movements in, in the history of, of the church, uh, as they were sending out people all over the world, Back in the seventeen, well, back in the eighteenth century, mid to, to to late seventeenth century, particularly. I mean, he was he was basically telling uh, the members of of the church that he was a part of that um, that they should not pursue certain vocations or should not pursue certain skill sets because they, on a global scale, would not be uh, very marketable, and that they needed to find things that if they ended up into a community or a context that they would be able to support themselves financially, uh, in, you know, in general. And so he 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 discouraged them from moving in certain directions uh, when it came to vocation because it would not best position them uh, to support themselves and to be a part of carrying out the gospel in other parts of the world. So, hey, shoot straight. Shoot straight with, with, our, with our members. And then finally, let me give you my fifth suggestion, and that is provide connections between mature, in other words, mature believers who are in the marketplace. Provide connections between them and 
and your students. In other words, find ways where they can get together and they can talk. And these members of your church that have been out in the in the marketplace for some time, they can speak wisdom into the lives of your young people as they're thinking about skill sets, as they're thinking about internships, as they're thinking about building up a CV, uh, building up a resume, as they're thinking about choosing a major. We need to make those connections to use the people within our churches and the wisdom and the experience they have to allow them to pour into the lives of our young people uh, and to allow them to provide some guidance to them and some counsel to them on this issue of vocation in days to come. So, guys, I hope that this has been uh, helpful to you as uh, I've shared with you kind of five uh, suggestions that I think are important for us to keep in mind as we consider shepherding our our people, shepherding our students uh, into the marketplace. Um, you know, maybe you as, as a pastor, you have someone on staff uh, that uh, you can uh, bring this issue to uh, that person's attention. Um, uh, maybe you're, you're a single staff pastor. I've been there before, uh, and you need to take some young people under your under your wing and and, and kind of go with this. But but don't just let this issue just just sit out there as another uh, you know concept, good idea, something to shelve. Uh, but let's take this thing and let's 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 put some feet on it. Let's 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 make it practical. And I think with these five suggestions, uh, we can get moving and we can get started in, in, in moving, and I believe, a more excellent way uh, when it comes to helping our uh, high school students, helping our college students uh, get to the marketplace. And as they get to the marketplace, they're going with a kingdom perspective. They're going with a, with a, with a, with a, with a divine eye to the nations uh, in light of who they are, in light of the world around them, and that we're not just leaving these major, major decisions up to uh, you know the whims of youth or a family tradition or a secular guidance council. Guys, thanks so much for checking out this podcast. Appreciate you, and uh, Lord willing, next week, Dave Datema, general director, one of the general directors of Frontier Ventures. Hope you will check it out. Take care. You have been listening to Strike the Match with J.D. Payne. You can find J.D. on Facebook or follow him on Twitter at J.D. underscore Payne. And if you'd like to check out more books, posts, and podcast episodes, visit jdpain.org. You can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes. And we'd be honored if you would consider rating us or leaving comments. Thanks again for tuning in. We hope you'll join us next time.